Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're talking about USC and the Cotton Bowl with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You guys have sent in a lot of questions, a lot of reaction, uh, a lot of upset USC fans, as you can imagine, after the Trojans lost to the Buckeyes 24-7 in Arlington, Texas. I came from Arlington. I am now in San Antonio, Texas. Took a quick little flight over here. I'm here for a week of Army Bowl practices, so recruiting rolling on uh, even after the early signing period. So I'll be here doing a lot of interviews and, and shooting video of uh, USC prospects and commits and things like that. But we got to talk about the Cotton Bowl, obviously. So we wanted to call into Coach Harvey Hyde's a little bit different setup. I'm in some kind of conference room at the Grand Hyatt, which is like the headquarters hotel for the Army All-American Bowl. So I'm in here. Coach is back, uh, back in su- sunny Southern California. It's a little cold here. Uh, if you want to send us any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email. Or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got a bunch of voicemails. We got texts. We got emails. We want to get to all of them with the coach. What is up, coach? How you doing, sir? Well, Ryan, first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. <clears throat> I think we are all got that same little cough out there, but yeah. let's clear it up because, Ryan, it's going to be game day, and, you know, game day is every day, so we got to be ready to go. But uh, really a disappointing loss in the Cotton Bowl. And to me, the way I look at the Cotton Bowl, I say, you mean Sam Darnold throws for 356 yards. The defense hold, holds Ohio State to 277 yards. The offense gets 413 yards, time of possession 34 minutes to 25 minutes, and you lose the game 24 to 7. If you didn't know what score that was uh, on what end, you'd say USC wins the game. So obviously they have the athletic ability to play, but there seems to be things within the program that there's a lot of questions about. I mean, uh, high tempo. Uh, sacks, eight sacks, uh, pass protections, uh, missed field goals, uh, fumbles, uh, all the different things that make a difference in a big football game. You don't do that when you play Ohio State. You find a way to uh, eliminate or make it harder for Ohio State to do certain things to your offense. The defense shuts out Ohio State in the second half. Special teams questionable as far as judgment. When do you bring a football out of the end zone? When don't you? Field position so important. You allow a score with in the first quarter with 12 minutes to go by a fumble. You drop passes, then you make great catches. I mean, uh, there were some questionable calls. I thought that Stevie Mitchell, uh, you know, really had some pass interference there. Uh, couple of times on passes uh, that he could have caught but was interfered with. So. You know, and blocking schemes and trying to block a tight end with a uh, trying to block Boza with a tight end and a chip off block. Why not use two back offense when you have another pass blocker? And if if they're not blitzing, which they didn't blitz a lot, then you put him in your route. 
just a lot of questions that I wonder about. Uh, you've got the athletic ability when you outstat someone, but why can't you get in the end zone, and why do you continually beat yourself? And that's basically, when you think about that drive, the momentum in the third quarter, Donald drives the team, uh, I don't know, 75 yards on 10 plays, and I said, wow, they're getting into it now, then a fumble. Why? How do, why aren't you protecting Donald in the pa- pocket on how to secure the football and not lose it in the pocket like he continually does. Why? And since we're talking about Sam Darnold, then I'll be through with this because we have a lot of questions. If I'm if I'm Sam Darnold and his parents and people who are uh, making that decision whether you come back or not, my question is I go to Coach Clay Helton and I say, if I come back, how am I going to get better? What are you going to do to make me better? I see him standing on the sideline all by himself, helmet in his hand, no one talking to him after something negative happens or positive happens or excitement happens or failure happens. Uh, and the coaching, uh, as far as you know, the things that are necessary to help this kid get better, if you're not going to help me get better, why should I come back? Who's going to be my quarterback coach? What are we going to do differently? These are the questions I would be asking USC as far as Clay Helton before I made my decision because right now with what's happening, I throw for 356 yards. I'm sacked eight times. Something can't be on the same page here. My blocking schemes can't be the same as what the routes are and the distance of the routes and what's going on. So uh, let's get things together. Starting with that, now we'll take questions. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you touched on a lot of the concerns that many of the USC fans have, Coach. And before we jump into all of those, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for no more USC football, unfortunately, we've got a long time to wait for that. But you want to go to another sporting event? Uh, would you like to go to a concert, theater? Uh, a musical, you know, like go see your favorite band. You can do that at sctickets.com, so they will help you out. And of course, you know, we're getting closer to next year, right? We're going to count down the days, coach. It is new. It's funny. It's New Year's Eve. It's like hard to once you're traveling for this stuff. It's like I don't even realize like what day it is. But it's New Year's Eve tonight. Um, we spend a lot of our New Year's Eve here at the Army Bowl in San Antonio, so like the River Walk is kind of crazy. But it's it's a, it's a lot of work, so we're not really. Uh, it's not really a party time, but Happy New Year, like Coach Harvey Hyde said to, to everybody. And a Happy New Year to you, too, Coach. Um, we got a long year, a long offseason now. Uh, it was a it was a better offseason last year with the Rose Bowl win. It's going to be a tougher offseason now with the Cotton Bowl loss. And uh, But you, you touched on a lot of the concerns, Coach. So I think we're going to start with a voicemail. Um, I'll play this one for you now and get your thoughts. Hi, guys. This is Alan from St. Louis, and this question is for Coach Hyde. Uh, I originally thought that the bad play and turnovers from our players today were mental errors, but upon further reflection, I think what we witnessed actually had a lot to do with coaching deficiencies we've seen throughout the year. Consider this. USC lost by 17 after failing to get points from drives that led to Ohio State's 23, 33, 10, 12, and 18-yard lines. There's a clear pattern there. You can give a lot of credit to OSU's defense, which they deserve, but it's not like playing company were the first team to play against a talented and aggressive front. There are ways of planning for this with things like outlet passes to chipping tight ends or keeping defenses honest with your running techniques or snap counts. 
but that's just not USC's thing, apparently. This is what happens, in my opinion, when you go through an entire year without mixing in hard counts, counters, or tight end dump-offs or screens. The defense can just tee off on the obvious play in front of them. So here's my question. Am I being too hard on the coaches, and do the players deserve more blame for the turnovers? Thanks, as always, for all your work. Great season, you guys. Fantastic product, as always, and thanks for the catharsis. Fight on. Well, Alan, good question. I'll tell you, you asked me a lot of things, and uh, uh, there's a lot of concerns to all of those uh, topics that you mentioned. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, uh, playing on a big stage is something you have to get used to, and Ohio State has played on a big stage. USC played on the big stage last year in the Rose Bowl, and now they had another opportunity to play on the big stage against a team, uh, Ohio State and the Big Ten, uh, really on a roll. Uh, first of all, I think the talent at USC is good. I wouldn't exchange a talent with anybody in the Pac-12. I'll tell you that right now. But with the Pac-12, 1 and 8, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, too, that we can get on uh, later on with another podcast at another time. But <clears throat> putting your players in a position to know what they're going to do and be able to adjust to things during a game, I think, are very important. Like, like you stand and you look to the sideline and you're trying to get a call for a play during the game, you've got a, a quarterback, Sam Darnold, that knows the offense and should be able to call the plays according to the defenses on your formation of what you see and what they're going to do. You're going to be able to go to the line and say, check with me. You already have the formation call, check with me, and he makes the call on what the play should be. The blocking schemes are made by the center depending on what the defense is, and you go against the weakness of the defense. I don't ever see any of that happening. I see a lot of wasted time as far as in the game, as far as between play calling and play action. Uh, it isn't. They almost go to the last second almost on every single play, and I don't know what that is or why that happens. Uh, and sometimes, to me, it doesn't look as though the route and the pr- pass protection is put together as far as matching each other, as far as the security of the pass uh, with the blocking of the line. Uh, And fumbles, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I think fumbling is something that uh, happens when you don't get a lot of hitting. Well, you don't, uh, you've heard me say the entire year, you learn the game of playing football by practicing the game of football, not hitting air, not just, walking through things, not just talking in chalk talks, but playing football. I know that yesterday uh, with the practices or two days ago with the practices with the Rose Bowl teams and the Sugar Bowl teams, they're in helmets, they're in pads, uh, not pants, but pads, and they're working on all the techniques, form tackling, going full speed except for hitting, doing the things that are necessary to prepare for the intensity of a football game. Now, USC hasn't played a football game, actual football game, since December, the early week in December, the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know how much hitting they did during this period of time. I wasn't at practice. Ryan must know this. But you've got to continue the intensity and the timing and the contact and all the things that are necessary to maintain the uh, momentum of where you were when you beat Stanford. And you've got to continue to get better and make your reserves better and your young players better to be able to do that. And you have the skilled players. You have the ability of Ronald Jones and these others to to put them in positions, as you mentioned, to perform. 
and it's it's putting your players in a position where they can be successful and making everything work. Uh, you get to the red zone, you can't score in the red zone. You can't kick a field goal. Uh, these are the things that when you look at a pick six, you look at a fumble on the opening series, and you look series, and you look at a miss. Uh, point, that's what? That's 17 points in a football game. Wow. That's the difference in the game. So there's a lot of things you have to clean up. There's, you've got to be able to have a jumbo offense. You've got to be able to know what you're doing on short yardage. You've got to be able to know what you're doing at high tempo and two-minute offense. Uh, when you're down in the fourth quarter, you've got to speed it up. What's the difference if you lose 24-7 to 7 or 35 to 14 or 35 to 21, but you got to make that attempt to get back into the game. And I just don't see that with USC at times because I'm proud of the way the defense played. Yet I want to be positive too. There are things that USC did during the game that were good. That were good. They looked good in the third quarter. They looked good on defense. They swarmed to the football. They tackled well. They really actually shut down Ohio State. I was proud of the defensive performance. Yeah, um, that wasn't really – yeah, we'll, we'll get into more of the defense and stuff there too. But, Alan, thanks for that kind of question. Um, let's let's see. We are gonna we have a text from George in Oxnard we'll go to next, Coach. He said, Happy New Year to you. Coach, what would be your New Year's resolution or points of emphasis for Coach Helton concerning A, his coaching staff, and B – his football team as we look forward to the 2018 season. Thanks and fight on, George and Oxnard. Well, first of all, I would uh, try to improve in every area on our, our football program because right now USC nationally has a great traditional name, but I don't believe right now USC is playing with the name of, or the feeling of its tradition. Its tradition is to pound you, be the hammer, not the nail, beat you, and I hate to say that what they're doing now is not really what people remember USC as. They remember USC as a Georgia. Swarm you on defense and run the football, beat you to death, make you surrender. And a few years ago, they got away from that uh, with the Sarkeesian-Kiffin era and uh, went to this, as everybody else did, this uh, spread offense uh, type of uh, whatever they've struggled with throughout uh, offense, uh, a little bit of everything, I call it. I call it 31 flavors, if you know. There's no series. There's nothing that really, to me, shows any type of relationship with, if this doesn't work, then let's do that. Uh, I would like to see them get back to being who they are, and that's toughness in the offensive line. That's blowing somebody off the line of scrimmage. That's not worried about, uh, you You know, you got to have a great quarterback, and you, but you got to have great running backs. you got to own the line of scrimmage. Uh, you remember the days when Marv Goo and John McKay and John Robinson used to say, we bring our bigs, you bring your bigs, and let's see what happens. That's, that's what SC's all about, and that's what the Southeastern Conference right now is all about. With Alabama, you know, uh, Alabama learned from USC. Now it might be time for USC to learn from Alabama get back to get the bigs and win the wars on the line of scrimmage. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him evaluate all his coaches, too, and everybody be on the same page philosophy on who we are and have an identity. Uh, and I think that starts with Clay Helton. What is our 
our identity at USC. Uh, what? Who are we? What are we supposed to do on defense? Who are we on offense? Special teams. I think uh, make it a little simpler, but cover everything and dominate. The word dominate is something you want to always be at USC. Dominate. Get the best players and then don't mess them up and dominate. It seems as though it, it takes too long for them to adjust to things. You've got to make adjustments. You've got to get it going as in recruiting and everything else. So I think that's the number one thing. I'd evaluate every staff member, and I'd say, where did we improve? Where didn't we improve? Did we get better in this area? Did we not get better in this area? Did we miss Ty Helton in this game in the red zone? What's really going on? We're supposed to be high tempo. We're not high tempo. We're supposed to be a no-huddle offense, but what's the difference? Why not huddle up? You see Wisconsin huddling up, and they're still winning. You see a lot of teams huddling up, and they're still winning. Uh, don't let other people be like we used to be. Let's be like who we are and what the fans like, and let's be a team that gets the best players, and, and let's be uh, someone who hurts hurts people. What I mean by that is not hurt people, but dominate, dominate, dominate in everything you do. And I think you can do that, and I think by doing that, you become a better football team overall. Let's go to another voicemail question, Coach. Uh, our buddy Ed in the high desert. Here it is. Hello, Ryan. Coach Hyde. Happy New Year to you gentlemen and your staff. Uh, what happened last night I don't think is a surprise to many of us. Uh, USC's football team hasn't improved from game one to game 14 and making the same old mistakes. It's just hard to uh, bring uh, coaches in that are learning on the job and compete with great coaches that have mastered their craft. I don't care how much talent you have. And USC got a lot of talent. But uh, they're making the same mistakes. So I'll just leave that up to uh, people out in the audience and to make up their mind what that is. I think we all know. And uh, we certainly don't wish anything bad on anyone. But uh, if USC doesn't join the modern world and and do the changes and bring in the people that it takes to win on a big-time program. We're going to be going through the same thing next year, year after next, until uh, whatever is wrong, and something is wrong, uh, we correct it. But anyway, congratulations, men of choice. A lot I would like to say, but I don't have time. I know you're getting a lot of calls. So happy new year, men. And I hope the right things uh, take place at USC. Over and out, ED, High Desert. Thank you. Ed in the High Desert, happy uh, New Year to you. You know, I sort of, uh, I agree with you. I, I haven't seen this team really improve. And during the football season, teams should improve. Teams should get better. Teams should uh, be able to use their athletic ability by putting them and find out what we do well and what we don't do and what we need to add and what we need to delete. There's such a thing as having too much in the offense and too much in the defense, and you don't do any of them well. So I think they've got to evaluate and, and improve on who they are, and as I said a moment ago, have an identity of what we're supposed to be and what we're trying to accomplish. When you talk about coaching staffs, it was a concern to me, and I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but I did on other shows. Uh, Urban Meyer's staff is one that's a uh, been in many bowl games. Uh, Urban Meyer 
beat Alabama at Utah, won national championships at Florida, Ohio State. Yeah, matching staffs uh, up, uh, a little bit more experience on the Urban Meyer staff and a little bit more as far as dominating in this game and wanting to win this game. I would say not that USC didn't want to win this game, but they went through the whole offseason losing 31 to nothing to Clemson last year, and they weren't about to have that happen again. Uh, I, I would think that they, they dot the I. In every area of their offense, defense, and special teams, it's not, it's not how fancy you are. It's how you execute, execute and take advantage of what a defense is doing. And uh, I think that this is something that Coach Helton has to evaluate on his staff. You talk about learning on the job. You've heard me talk about this all the time. If you're on the USC staff, then you should be a potential head coach anywhere in the country as far as a coordinator is concerned. You see people getting head coaching jobs from all of these staffs. Alabama every year sends out a head coach somewhere, Lane Kiffin and Pruitt, and you know you can go through all of these. Uh, right now on the USC staff, I don't know who's a potential head coach. It comes from winning. You're 11-3, and three, uh, but whose name is being mentioned for head coaching position somewhere? And, and I'm not talking about major. I'm talking about anywhere. Arizona State's uh, assistant coaches are getting head coaching jobs. You've got to have quality around you. I used to call it, I want guys around me that have had the lights on. So when you walk in the stadium, they've looked, they're not looking at the stadium. They're looking at the field and they're telling the youngsters, hey guys, don't look around, because this is what we're walking on right now is the field is what determines what's going to happen. Don't worry about any of that. This field could be on the moon, and we're going to play on it. So, you know, I always used to find that I always had someone on my staff that could replace me if something happened to me. Uh, if I got a head job, he would be automatically the head coach at USC, uh, you've got experience uh, with coaches who have been successful, have contacts in recruiting, can evaluate players, uh, can go into a, on a campus and walk up to the principal's office, and the principal's heard of him and glad to meet him and wants to take a picture with him. These are the type of people that I want on my coaching staff, and this is the type of people that I want Guys that are better than me, maybe, in a lot of things. Maybe not as a head coach currently right now, but as an offensive line coach or a defensive backfield coach or a better recruiter. They've recruited the kid, and all I need to do is go in and shave him, and he's going to sign. This is what you have to do to be a major player today. When you have Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and this young coach I met, uh, Lincoln Riley, and I was impressed by talking. He's 34 years old. When he came in, uh, Laurie's where I was MC, nobody knew he was the head coach. <laughs> That's funny. I had to go over and get him and take him to the people and say, this is the head coach. They didn't realize this is the head coach. He looked like a player. So these are the things, but the people he surrounds himself with, Mike Stoops and these other coaches, have been head coaches. These guys have been in the big uh, big, big, big games. They've been there. They know it. And I think this is something Coach Clayton Helton has to look at. I can't do it all. I can't do it all. I've got to have people who I respect enough to take their advice. And that's my advice.
Yeah, Coach, good stuff there. Um, we have a couple of texts text that came in. First, uh, Rick and Rosemead. He said, hey, Coach and Ryan, Helton and his whole staff need to go. Every game, they're totally unprepared. We waited a month for this crap. None of these guys should go to the NFL. They aren't ready. Embarrassing as usual. And we also got a text from, it's Ack Beardman. He said, Callahan and Baxter, he's talking about uh, the offensive line coach and special teams coach. How soon until those two can be sent off? Um, so we got we got a bunch of kind of texts and emails about firing staff members and, and coaches and stuff, but kind of get your thoughts on those two text messages. Well, number one, uh, it's Clay Helton's program, okay? And if Clay Helton, like I've said many a times, I like Clay Helton, I really do. You can be uh, really sometimes too nice. You've got to be able to do what's right for your program. And uh, are the players ready to go to the NFL? Well, if I'm Sam Darnold, I went over this a moment ago with you, and I want to repeat this so everybody understands what I'm saying. If you don't give me a reason to come back where I can get better and I'm going to coach and I'm going to understand the game of football and what it's all about, then why stay? Who's going to be my quarterback coach? How am I going to learn? What are we going to do offensively? What changes are we going to have? Not that I didn't have a great year and throw a lot of touchdown passes, but wow. I'll tell you, can you imagine what it would have been without him? And yet he did fumble and do some things that are wrong, but I still would want to go with Sam Darnold, okay? And then also, when you look at uh, players that should go to the NFL, other players, I don't think there's another player that should go to the NFL except for maybe uh, Ronald Jones, he's a great player. Did they take advantage of Ronald Jones? I don't think they utilized him like they should have. I tell you, the guy was a step away from breaking some big plays in the Cotton Bowl. He's a great receiver. I don't think they put him in positions where he could really go and be what he, who he could be. Uh, but uh, he overcame sometimes some of the goal line plays and made some great plays on his own that maybe may not have worked, but he made it happen because he's a great athlete. It's hard for me to tell him not to go, okay? As a head football coach, I would never tell him what to do because you would feel terrible if something happened to him and he was injured. But you do talk to him and tell him about uh, his success and, and you got to make this decision like you don't tell somebody who to marry. So Sam Donald, that's the way I'd approach, approach it. Ron Jones, uh, I think he's gone. I don't know what he has to do. Unless, uh, you know, he's rushed, he's done everything he needs to do, uh, I wouldn't consider him coming back. Uh, if you listen to all the uh, announcers, some are saying for him to stay. Uh, uh, Herb Street and these other guys at Galloway, they're all saying he should stay. Uh, so I don't know. I, I've seen him play over the last couple of years, and I think he's the same. I think they're making the same mistakes. I don't see him getting any coaching. And I hate to say that as far as, eliminating some of the errors that he continually makes, and it's not his fault for the blocking schemes or giving him any help with two back sets or any of that. So I don't know. As far as Clay Helton to go, that's not going to happen. The new uh, technique of athletic directors today is, you know, he's 11-3, and three, guys, okay? 11-3. and three. So let's give him a break there. Yeah, there's been some controversy as far as, you know, how they won and so on. But he's 11-3. and three. But I think he's going to sit down with Lynn Swan, and I think Lynn Swan has a big voice on what's going to happen with USC football. And I think they're going to decide on some of the issues you talked about as far as the offensive line and the secondary, places they 
they really struggled this year. They struggled. And they're going to have to make a decision on how we get better on the coaching staff as well as on the X and O's and recruiting and everything. I think they're behind in recruiting this year, Ryan. They signed nine or ten guys. I was sitting next to Kirby Smart. I asked him at the uh, Lloyd's uh, uh, Banquet Beat Bowl. I said, uh, how many players you signed, Coach? And by the way, congratulations. You're number one in the country. He says, oh, we went after, uh, well, we went after a number of players, but we got 21. We got three more to go. Harv, and I said, he says, our recruiting's basically done. We went after, we got the guys we wanted to get. We took this as the regular type of signing period. Well, you know, did USC do that? I don't know. Does that come from experience as far as him being a part of the staffs, as far as being at Georgia as an assistant, at being by, at Alabama and being taught by Nick Saban? But these guys aren't waiting. They're, when they go fishing, they're going fishing when the fish are biting. And uh, I think these are things that you can't wait and learn on the job. And I think these are things that sometimes USC is doing. We uh, got another voicemail. This is from our buddy Don. I'll play it for you and get your thoughts, Coach. Hello, Ryan. Coach I, Don Autry here. Ryan, I'd like to thank you for permitting my comments to be heard on the show. Coach I... Thank you for your responses to my comments. I'd like to make three quick comments concerning the USC football team. Coach Callaway, you did a very poor job in coaching up the offensive line. This has been very evident all season long. You need to be let go. Sam, you are a very talented quarterback, but you need to stay and polish up your game. You made some very questionable throws in the game. Coach Helton, you need to make some other coaching changes on your staff. If you don't, then it will be your job that will be on the line. Well, I do I do want to tell you this, uh, Don. Uh, we've touched on a li- little bit of all of these things, but I'll go back and be more specific to your questions. Callaway, the offensive, lineman, or offensive line coach, you mentioned uh, he's got to go. Well, that's a decision that's got to be made by the head football coach. Uh, you know, I, I never advocate the firing of a coach. You hear me talk about it as far as, you know, you got to get have great people around you. But if there's one coach on the team that ought to be really soft, let me put it this way, it's the offensive line coach. I don't know if you watch the Ohio State offensive line coach during the game. I watch all the coaches, okay? Man, oh man, he got he gets their attention. There's no doubt about it. He's a big guy, older guy, got a little goatee, bald head, and they listen to him. I mean, when he talks, those players are standing at attention. They aren't looking at the scoreboard trying to watch the replay of a play. These guys aren't looking uh, at uh, anything else. In fact, when they go to the sideline, the offensive line goes to the offensive line coach. Uh, the running backs go to the running back coach. Uh, the coordinators there in the middle. I mean, they're talking to the coaches. They're getting coached up during a timeout. They aren't sort of looking around and having somebody shoot water in their mouth and all this type of stuff. Okay. And this guy, I tell you, you're gonna play for him. I, I don't. I don't have his name. I'm sorry. But that offensive line is at attention, like he's talking to a drill sergeant. Okay. And he's not trying to beat these guys up or treat them 
not like human beings. He's just demanding them play at their potential and play as a unit. And I think this is what you got to do. So if Callaway's not doing that or if he's doing it his way, whatever, fine. But I'm going to tell you, you better have an offensive line coach. I remember when Tim Davis and Ed Orgeron were at USC, and you were there, Ryan. Tim Davis and Orgeron would fight each other first, or they'd want to, because they knew that, hey, my play, my position is more important than your position, and Orgeron used to say, no, my guys are better than your guys, and it used to be a war on the practice field. I used to say, this is how guys get better. If you don't hit in practice and go against a good guy, how do you get better? You get better practicing four or five times a day than you play in one game. And if you're not going to hit or go full speed or do what you're going to do, how do you become a football team or a football player? So you get better during the week, not during the game. So I miss that in practice at USC. And I'm not saying that's a flaw. I'd say I miss Tim Davis and I miss Ed Orgeron. Not that the coaches that aren't there, they got to have their own personalities. But I miss that competition daily. So that's something you got to look at as far as the offensive line. Not me. Coach Helton. Um, I'm, huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Coach. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you touched on some of the other points of his voicemail uh, already. Um, but sticking with the offensive line, Tarek wants to know, did this game show that Toa Lobandon has no business playing left tackle? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, what have I told you all year? He should be playing where? Guard. I've told you that all year, and I've told you Chris Brown should be a tackle, yet he made all-conference or whatever. You know, that's me. This is my opinion. Not, yeah, This is my opinion. I'm not coaching the team. I think he's going to be a guard. I think he'll be a guard in the NFL. I think he's got the body size to be a guard. He's the one that can pull around and lead a play. He's more athletic. You've got to have athletic guards and centers. So I've always felt that way. And, you know, the right tackle, he's going to get his name called. If his name isn't called, then he's going to hold somebody so everybody knows he's in the game. And that's happened every single game. I'm not saying every single game, but if you go back and chart him, he's going to have a holding penalty, okay? And that's absolutely uncalled for. You don't need it. So uh, as far as Lobodon is concerned, I think he's a great player. He'll be a guard in the NFL. And I think somebody else could have been the tackle. I agree with you. Yeah, I kind of think he's going to move to center next year, but we'll we'll find out for sure. Um, yeah, he'll probably move there. He'll probably move there. But, you know, we're moving people around instead of teaching people how to become great players, too. You recruit three centers that are pretty good players, but none of them ever play. Yeah, fair point. Um, Tark also wants to know, while I he said, while I fully support Clay Helton, did this game give vindication to those who have said that Helton can't lead this team to the playoffs slash national championship. Well, I don't know what he means. Can't lead this team. Uh, is he capable? Like, is this is his ceiling? This is what a, a lot of the fans are saying. That the you know having a, a ten win season, winning the Rose Bowl, uh, winning the Pac-12, winning eleven games, but losing three. That's kind of his ceiling. They feel, a lot of the fans feel like he's not going to be able to take them to the next level, which means only losing one game all year and making the playoff. Well, you know, there's that question because when he became head coach, he hadn't done it before. Okay. Now, if you 
come in like everybody's talking about Chip Kelly. He's going to win the national championship at UCLA. It's going to be a different thing. It's not that easy, okay? Everybody's trying to win. Everybody's putting him out there like he's going to walk on the field and they're going to beat everybody. That that doesn't happen. Everybody's trying to win, okay? But he comes in as somebody who has done it. He comes in. He's been in the national championship game. He's been in the Rose Bowl. He's He's done these things, so he's got more of a, a bio or resume to prove that. Clay Helton has yet to do that as far as a head football coach, so when he comes in to USC or when he becomes a head football coach at USC, he's got to prove himself on the job. So he doesn't come in and he, you know, he, he can be questioned because he didn't come from a head football coach at Texas A&M or somewhere where he's dominated, and that's what basically I feel USC is. I mean, it's Air Force One. You fly the number one plane in America. At least you've got to look at it like that. You've heard me talk about that all the time. When Kiffin and Sarkeesian got that job, they're flying Piper Club Cubs. Little one-motor planes, and all of a sudden here they are flying Air Force One for the White House. Well, Clay was in the White House. And uh, he he doesn't had he didn't have the reputation of a West Coast successful coach or uh, Big Twelve or Big Ten successful coach. So he's making his statement on the job. And yes, I have to agree with this. He is learning on the job, but he hadn't been a head football coach before. But he's got to surround himself with people at the same time and be the type of leader and have the ability to be a head football coach. You take this young coach at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. He's 34 years old. He's never been a head football coach before. Never been a head football coach before. And he's in the same type of program that USC is. But he surrounded himself. Not one staff changed, moved on, been there, done that, and now he's leading that team and still is learning in going to this bowl game. I'm not going to give you points of here and there and so on, but this is his first bowl game. And when I sit down and I have dinner with Kirby Smart and I have dinner with Riley Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Uh, yeah, Lincoln Riley. It's a, it's a little different. So, you know, this is, I think, what Coach Helton's going through. We have uh, one one more voicemail. We still have a bunch of emails too, but um, we had a lot of voicemails for you today, Coach. Uh, this one, let's see, I'll play it for you right now. Hi, this is Richard from Toluca Lake. Three quick comments. Number one, Alabama, Notre Dame, and now <clears throat> against uh, Ohio State, national TV, embarrassing, all three of them. Number two, offensive line, very, very soft, need to step it up, um, completely outplayed. And number three, and more important, this is for uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, I'm wondering what your feelings are as far as the way the coaching staff handled the Porter Gustin situation this year. It, it seems that after he uh, got hurt, uh, maybe they should have redshirted him if that was possible or get a medical redshirt for him instead of having him come back get hurt, having him come back and get hurt again, and then basically losing the entire season for him. I think if he'd been healthy, he would have been a force. And uh, I'm just curious on your comments and maybe how you would have handled it. Enjoy the show very much, and thanks a lot for all your time, you guys. And fight on. Bye. Richard, let me answer your questions. And uh, uh, number one, yes, it's always embarrassing to lose on a national scene. It hurts your image everywhere. 
far as recruiting, like I talked to the athletic director at Oklahoma, and he says, gosh, it's great to be in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl. I said, certainly helps you recruiting-wise, doesn't it? He said, oh, my gosh, does it? So you get on TV, and you get in a certain different area that you haven't been before, and it really improves who you are. And that's the same thing as far as USC on national TV. As far as the offensive line being soft, we've already discussed that. They need to get tougher. They need to be a hammer, not a nail. They've got to drive people off the ball. Let's get away from that. But a big topic is Port Augustine. And you heard me talk about this, I think, Ryan. It was last week when I mentioned to you the waste of Port Augustine as far as a kid that really was becoming a great football player at the end of the year last year really played well. As far as uh, his injury, playing him immediately following his surgery, and then basically that eliminated him for the entire year. Tough kids, you sometimes don't do always what kids want to do. Kids want to play football. I would have, I'd have felt, I'd have been disappointed that Porter didn't tell me he'd, he. I'm ready to play, coach. I'm ready to play. But you got to sometimes think of the kid. You got to think of the program. You say, you know, we want you to play too, but it really. We're not going to play you. Uh, you've worked too hard. You deserve more than this. And you heard me talk last week about somehow getting a medical redshirt for him. And you heard USC saying, oh, it's past the fourth game. And I mean, or, or more or less saying, hey, we're not going to try. Hey, bull, I would take this case as far as I could take this case to the NCAA. I would say, hey, let me tell you about this kid. This kid is a great kid. We want to. We want to. Uh, we want to try to get this kid another year. He's done everything. He got hurt. He played. Maybe we shouldn't have played. It's not his fault. It's our fault. We thought he was ready to play, and I'd have put together a dissertation. I'd have had a doctor's write a dissertation on this is why this kid should get another year. And he didn't get another year, and he didn't really get to play much this year. But he was just starting to become a great football player at the end of last year. We talked about some of the. Things uh, he wasn't doing right at the end of the year. He was playing hard and containing and doing what he should do. But I think there's got to be far more uh, control out of who plays and doesn't play at USC. I mean, we've talked about this, Ryan, on many podcasts, and maybe individually as you and I talk. Is You know, the burning of a redshirt year on Grimes, the burning of a redshirt year on Lewis, the burning of a redshirt year on uh, Lewis, uh, and, and, and... I mean, really? What are we talking about? I mean, who's in charge of this? I mean, how can you play somebody 15 plays or just on special teams and you're the number one receiver in the country? And and Grimes is going to be the next big receiver in USC? And the linebacker, I mean, uh, number 13. Give me, help me with his name. 13. I'm sorry. How are you, Ryan? So, what, huh? who are you talking number about? Number 13. Number 13, what's his name? The linebacker. Oh, uh, you're, um, you put me on. I foot. went blank there. Ah, oh, well, we'll come back to that. But yeah. that linebacker, I'm telling Levi you. Levi Jones, sorry. How, Levi Jones, yeah, sorry Levi, about that. How, how can you burn, burn these years? I mean, when you have talent like that, these guys are potential all-conference, all-American players, and you're burning years. Nobody's keeping track of Don't you have a meeting every day talking about we can't burn this. We got to keep him. We can't recruit another guy like this. And Port Augustine's the same way. I thought they wasted the year on him. I think he's a great kid. 
I feel sorry for him, but I would put together a case that the NCAA would have to listen to. At least make that attempt. Don't just, oh, well, he played in the fourth game. That's the way it goes. Hey, don't give me that. That's the same type of deal they did with the sanctions. Oh, well, we'll take the sanctions. Hey, fight for your program. Fight for your kids. And then your kids will fight for you. Yeah, you know, with Gustin, I'm not even sure like a redshirt means as much. Um, would, would it save in a year? I mean, he can come back anyway. But the the problem is the way they used him, they brought him back too early. He played, you know, four days after surgery, and that kind of screwed up. I didn't like the way that was all handled. And even when he came back against Arizona State, he was supposed to be on a pitch count, played more game, you know, more plays than he was supposed to, and then you never saw him for the rest of the year. So I thought it was handled very poorly the whole year. Um all right, we got more emails. We'll try to go through them kind of quickly because I know we, we don't have a ton of time. The G says, Coach, please assess the game for us. What happened on the offensive line to Sam's play, our ability to run the ball, and what would you do to fix it? Regarding the defense, they played well, but what changes would you make in the offseason to improve performance? Strength and conditioning? Nutrition? Practice with pads? Actual hitting? This is football, isn't it? Uh, Happy New Year's, gents. The G. All of the above. Yeah, all we, of the above. We kind of talked about all that stuff already, I guess. We did. You got to be big, strong. You got to be powerful. You got to be mean. You got to eat nails, and you know what? You got. You got to. It starts uh, with an attitude. You got to have an attitude, and you just can't talk about an attitude. An attitude's got to be sincere, from your coach to the program to the players to who they are and who they want to be. And it's all an attitude. I mean, 11 wins is great, okay? Playing for a national championship, everybody's trying to, okay? So you got to take it to the next level in all of the things you mentioned. you got to do it in recruiting. That's where it starts, in recruiting. Then you've got to have the proper coaching staff to get it done, but you want to be able to coach those guys and those recruits up. You've got to be able to save your recruits and not burn the uh, seasons on them so they get that fifth year and they become a better player and a stronger player and a faster player. It's not always the five-star players. You look at Wisconsin and the way they play. How many five-star players do they recruit every year? One, two, maybe? Maybe uh, none. But they have a philosophy on what they do. and They recruit to what they do. They bring the bigs in. They bring the bigs in that are two stars and maybe three stars. They get those guys. They redshirt those guys. They make them big and strong, and then they go out and get one of the top tailbacks in America. And why can they get him? Because they say, look at our tailback from last year. Look at Gordon. Look at this guy. Look at that guy. Uh, they come in. Uh, Dane, look at them. They come in, and this is what they do, and they play in the NFL for years. So you got to have a philosophy. And on defense, they play sound defense. They don't. They bend a little bit, but they don't break. And they play hard, and they get it done. And their defensive coordinators are getting head football jobs. So you got. It starts with a philosophy of who we are in the weight room, who we are on the field, who we are as an offensive line, who we are as a defensive line, who we are as a secondary, who we are as running backs, the extra yards, the tackles after contact. It's who we are. And the pride of being able to have zero sacks, zero penalties, time of possession, all of those things have to be working at the same time to be able to win national championships. And you got to be a little lucky. Let me put that in there, too. you got to be a little lucky 
as far as the way the ball bounces. So that's the way I feel on that. Hey, Coach, we didn't have this question specifically, but I wanted to uh, talk about it a little bit. I did on my solo emergency podcast yesterday, but did, what did you think about the lack of urgency in the, especially the fourth quarter, even the third quarter, USC was down three scores, and it just didn't seem, it wasn't necessarily even about the tempo, which thought they'd run more tempo, and they did not. But it really just seemed like there wasn't any urgency whatsoever as far as getting the plays out there. I mean, they would take 30 seconds to run like a running play. Um, I, I didn't get it. it. It almost seemed like they were trying to run out the clock as opposed to trying to score quickly and, and get the ball back. I, any Just any thoughts on that? No, I, I said the same thing. In fact, if the people who watch the game on television, the announcers even mentioned that. They said that when they talk with Martin, the offensive coordinator, before the game, he was going to show up in a high-tempo offense they'd never seen before. Well, we didn't see any of that. And in the two-minute drill, I, you know, the two-minute drill, there wasn't any two-minute drill that really impressed me. And at the end of the game, when there was nine minutes left in the game, uh, hey, they're walking to the line of screen. They're looking to the sideline. They're taking 25 seconds to run a play. It's like they're up 24-7. I said, maybe I'm looking at the scoreboard wrong. Uh they were trying to run the clock down rather than try to score touchdowns or, or do what you need to do. And I agree with you 100%. That's why I'm saying everything's not on the same page. Uh, someone's got to speed this up and understand where we are regarding the clock, how many scores we have to get, and what we have to do to try to win. And uh, I don't understand how how they uh, justify that as far as the staff as to put us in a position to talk about it. Uh, the announcers to talk about it. Uh, you're agree- I agree with you 100%. I kept watching this and I said, maybe they're up. Maybe my TV is upside down. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> maybe it's the other way because that's the way they were playing at the end of the game. It looked as though they were trying to run the clock out. I'm sorry to be a smart ass, but that's what it looked like. No, that, I tweeted the same thing. It looked like that. So I was just like, what the heck are they doing? I, I didn't get it. Um, all right, we got a few more. I'll read, we'll read through them. Some of them are just comments. We'll just maybe make a few comments and move on. Tarek with a Q, he says, I'm not understanding how this game is an indictment on Clay Helton. USC had more yards, first downs, and time of possession than Ohio State. The defense had shut out uh, in the second half, only allowed three points outside of the turnovers the entire game. The difference was the OSU defensive line winning one-on-one matchups and the four turnovers by the offense, particularly the ones by Sam. I didn't see an indication of Urban Meyer outcoaching Helton at all. Also, it's unfair for fans to give all the praise to players when things go right, but all the accountability to the coaches when things go wrong. Helton didn't have four turnovers. That was Sam and Deontay. Thoughts? Tarek. I don't necessarily well, you know. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. You weren't through. Oh no, I just I don't agree with Tark there. But go, uh, you know, get your thoughts on that. Well, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, players win games and coaches lose games. Okay, uh, that's the way it always is. We know that as coaches, players win games, fans win games, coaches lose games. All right, that's the way it's supposed to be. Coaches get paid. That. <laughs> yeah. Players pretty do this good. for free. Players do it pretty for free. Good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna blame coaches more than players usually. But yeah. No offense, coach. No, no. No. And winning's what it's all about. I'm telling you, you used to have five years, used to have six years. Now you got two years and a half, maybe. Maybe two years. Three years? You better get it done or you're gone. The buyouts are unbelievable. 
believing it's $15 million for getting fired. Wow. Nice. I mean, you go around and you see more $12 million for getting fired. Dabo Sweeney gets $40 million if he gets fired. Big money, guys. Big money. Now, stats are important. You heard me give the stats earlier in the, in the show. But the W is the number, what the score is. I used to say halftime scores mean nothing. But in this game, halftime scores, it was over. 24-7, there wasn't another score in the game. So uh, scoring's the name of the game. Winning is the name of the game. Breaks is the name of the game. Turnovers is the name of the game. Taking the crowd out of the game is the name of the game. And how do you do that? By taking the crowd out, by beating up on somebody and winning. So... Uh, Clay Helton, I have to agree, uh, has won a lot of football games at USC, uh, but the, there's uh, USC is a different school than any other school. It's not just only winning; it's how you win, how physical you are, and what you know what it's all about. Because they don't mind asking you to send a check in. Okay, send me a check. Send me a check. But when you send a check in, people want results. Build a new stadium, but we don't like the press box. What are you doing about that? You're taking our seats away and you're raising the price. Well, okay. If you do all of that and act that way, then you better give a product. And the product is win big, win smart, let us brag, let us want to pay, let us be a part of that program. And currently right now, that's not happening as far as the style and the way that USC fans want it and the way that the image of USC is. So they're going to have to make some adjustments to that. They basically are. And and uh, Clay Helton's a good friend of mine. I like him. But he's the head football coach. And when you're the head football coach, you got to remember that players win and coaches lose. And you got to live that way and you got to say, well, how can I make it easier on myself? And when you do that, that means you got to make sometimes changes. We got Steve in San Diego. He said, I hope you and the entire podcast family had a Merry Christmas. Uh, question is for Coach Hyde. After the bowl game, <coughs> excuse me, after the bowl game debacle, people are calling for the offensive line coach to be replaced and for a new offensive coordinator to be hired. My question to Coach is, say an alternate universe, Pat Rule was hired along with Norm Chow. Oh, my God. They're mentioning Norm Chow again. Stop it, Steve, uh, to work on this staff. Would it matter if we hired these guys since the head coach believes in soft practices without pads? Uh, isn't it hard to match up with physical teams since the head coach does not believe in a physical tradition of the teams that actually won titles at USC? Uh, Steve in, in San Diego. No Norm Chow. Norm Chow's not coming back, okay? People stop mentioning him. But get your thoughts on that, coach. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Norm Chow would come back. <clears throat> I just want people to know that. I uh, was with Norm Chow the other day, and you're going to be hearing about Norm Chow in the papers here shortly, okay? Uh, <clears throat> Norm Chow has been offered jobs. He's turned down one already, and uh, he's going to accept one. But uh, he wants a coach. And they remember those days, okay? They remember those days at USC, like I mentioned earlier, Tim Davis, Ed Orgeron, those type of coaches coaching in the physical part of of USC. They they do. And yes, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, the credentials of Norm Chow is a little bit different than the credentials of, of T. Martin. And nothing against T. Martin except oh, yeah, certainly. 
no, nothing, nothing. I'm not saying that, but he's learning to be an offensive coordinator. And here you have a guy that's coached three or four Heisman Trophy winners. Immediately, you've got the player's attention. You know, he's got the packages. You know, he runs a two-back offense. You know, he. You know what? What are you talking about? Wait. So now you're if advocating you North Town, uh, Coach. Is it, do you think it's like time to move on? Like I, I hate when people try to go back and relive the past. It's like no, I agree. But you got to get somebody like Norm. Yeah, Chow that, that's if you're not going to yes. keep team short. Like that's, Norm. Chow's that's fine. my point. Yes, that yeah. is fine. Yeah. And didn't we say earlier you've got to have somebody that's been there with the lights on? You don't learn on the job, right, Ryan? Exactly. Yes. He brings a philosophy. You already know what he runs. You already know his packages. You already know his coaching abilities, and you already, uh, and you also allow him to say who works well with you, as you said, Pat Rule, these other guys, whoever's the offensive line coach, and and so on. He knows the system too. You can't put a system together unless you have guys that all agree about what you should be running, and that all starts too with the head coach as far as hiring somebody that has his philosophy on what exactly we want to do here. And, you know, uh, right now, it, you know, I, I'm not going to say T. Martin's not doing what he's supposed to do, but when you throw Norm Chow's name out, the reason that name comes out is because you won so many national championships with this guy. And T. Martin, and, and T. Martin yet has been able to be on the same stage. Let's put it that way. So he eventually we hope he can be on that stage. But when you talk about Hall of Fame coaches and guys that know X and O's and speak at clinics and write on napkins and bars and tell tell coordinators what he thinks when they ask him, Norm, what would you do in this situation? Then you got a clinic going on, and this is what they listen to. You know, I would say, and and the question about would it matter with Clay Hill? I think if you bring in strong assistant coaches and they have an influence on the overall program too. So I wouldn't necessarily say that if you brought in a strong, whatever position coach or coordinator, that it wouldn't matter because Clay on the heads coach, I think it's, he's a coach that's learning on the job. You bring in strong voices. They have an influence on, on the head coach, especially a young head coach. I would say. No, I agree with you. And I'll tell you, you can't be afraid of that. Right. As a, as a, as a head football coach, I wanted everybody to know more about what I did in their area. I'm I'm the one that's the boss. I'm gonna hire him and fire him, but I want him to know more about what I'm doing in their area: linebacker play, secondary play. Not that I haven't coached those positions, but I want these guys to be experts, man. I want them to form me an atomic bomb, <sighs> and nice. they got to all be engineers, right? They all got to be guys that know how to engineer and build that structure that can destroy, and that's what I consider that. All right, we got a couple more quick ones, and we'll let you go, Coach. Sorry, just I know there's a lot here, but we appreciate everyone writing in and appreciate. I need you. another cup of coffee. I know. Okay, so John in San Jose, <laughs> uh, uh, coffee's on me, Coach. Uh, John in San Jose, thank you for a great year in covering the Trojans. We had a great season, but I'm very disappointed with the lack of discipline this team had in games this season. That sideline scuffle against Ohio State proves it. Regardless of who started it, we are an elite program that should maintain its composure when it comes to those situations. My question, should Coach Helton be more uh, of a prick when it comes to the discipline of the players? I think Clay is a great guy, but I feel the players don't take him seriously as a head coach. Uh, What are your thoughts, John and San Jose? 
Well, I, I really don't know who has bench discipline, okay? If you watch other games, you saw some guy about 400 pounds working the game uh, with uh, Mark Rick last night from uh, Miami, and he couldn't control the coach. The coach let himself get out of hand a little bit. You see that some of the guys, the straight coaches, are on the sideline disciplining the coaches and in charge. Get back, get back, don't be on the line, get back from the line, and this and that. Well, I think you, that's all part of it, too, is game discipline and game performance. you got to have discipline all the time, on the field, off the field, locker room, the way you ride the bus, bus the way you ride the, the plane, your image of who you are, what you wear, how you act. Are you an individual or are you a team member? Do you wear, when we say we're wearing white socks, we wear white socks and one player's wearing black socks? How does that work? I'd make him change his socks, okay? It all starts with the little things. Termites can destroy anything if you let them keep eating, okay? And I think discipline is something that's so important to a football team on and off the field. And I was embarrassed with what happened on the sideline because I've been in that position, okay? I know how I feel when that happens as a head football coach. I say, oh, my gosh, I'm more embarrassed about that almost as a loss because I don't have control of my off-the-field sideline discipline and the discipline of my team as far as acting that way, especially when we're losing. You're trying to win off the field, not on the field. You're trying to do things that, Oh, we're frustrated. The hell with you. You do it on the field and you do it in a manner that you represent our university and you represent who we are. In uniform and the way you act and so on. I agree 100%. I thought that was embarrassing. I hated to see it. I did not want to bring that up. But there's got to be discipline on and off the field on everything. And sometimes I think there's too many people on the sideline. It was crazy. You couldn't even see any poor, one poor photographer or whoever that was got run over. Ohio State guy's trying to help him up or her up. And uh, then the scuffle starts. It's ridiculous. You can't play that way. Even though they do run your quarterback off the field like that and then that's unnecessary hit. You can't come back yet. Sam Donald knows you love him. You're not going to fight. You're going to help him up and go out and prove it on the next play. And Sometimes you lose control of that, and I have too. So I'm not going to sit here and say my teams have never fought or got in trouble. They have been in some brutal fights. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I want you to know I am very embarrassed when that happens. One last one from our buddy Tarek. Jimbo Fisher recently said he calls plays himself, so he doesn't have to worry about that side of the ball. Should Clay Helton think about calling plays himself after having a very questionable offense? What do you think, Coach? Well, Jimbo Fisher's uh, unique. There aren't a lot of coaches that are doing that. He loves to call plays. He loves the offense. He does that, and he has a defensive coordinator that controls the entire defensive side of the football. He doesn't even talk to him. I mean, he, you know, they talk, but they didn't mean he leaves that up to the defensive coordinator. He likes calling offense. He's been an offensive coordinator his entire life, and. The reason he called plays, uh, he feels that he's going to do what he wants to do better than if he had somebody else calling him for him and he doesn't want to second-guess him. So if you don't want to second-guess someone, then you do it yourself. So Clay Helton's got to make that decision. 
you don't want to second guess and you're not getting the output of what's happening with your offense and you're not getting done, you don't want to second guess anybody, you just take over and call. Every single play so everybody knows you call that play. So when it scored, you call that play. If it didn't work, you call that play. And you uh, got to be able to get your philosophy on the football field, not just in meetings. But whatever you want done, you've got to have on the football field. That determines who wins and loses. So that's a decision he has to make. It's very, very difficult to be a head football coach, to be a head football coach and call plays. You've got too many distractions. You've got too many other things to do as a head football coach than to put together game plans, have the offensive meetings that are necessary with your staff and with your team. So uh, Jimbo Fisher can do it. uh, Clay Helton would have to decide that, but uh, as a head football coach, I did it in junior college, uh, but uh, when I got to the four-year level, I couldn't do it. I had too many things that distracted me. Yeah, and I, I would say no, definitely not do that. Um, I mean, there's like if you're an amazing play caller, that's one thing. It's like, uh, do we know that Clay Helton's an amazing play caller? Um, no. So if that was something that he was just like, that's the best thing he ever does, and you're a head coach and you want to do it, that's fine. Like, that's... Jimbo Fisher's thing, you know. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, but great questions. Thanks for everyone for sending those in. And coach, thanks for uh, joining me here uh, on the Peristyle Podcast. A little different setup because I'm I'm set up here in uh, San Antonio, but uh, it was fun to to chat with you and fun to get your thoughts. And thanks to everyone for sending all those questions in. That was fun too. Hey Ryan, again, thank you, and again uh, for all of you out there, we appreciate your participation in this podcast, and we try to answer your questions honestly. And remember, it's just our opinion. And I want to wish all of you a uh, happy New Year. Be safe out there, no matter where you are. Enjoy New Year's, and uh, I don't know Ryan where you're going to be, but I'm going to be in the Rose Bowl watching Georgia, Oklahoma. Oh, have a great time. I'm so jealous that you were uh, emceeing the Lowry's Beef Bowl. That's my favorite event to go to. I love that. That's my favorite meal, maybe outside of Thanksgiving. Uh, I love uh, getting the prime rib at Lowry's. Um, So jealous that you get to do that, Coach. Hey, listen, I had prime rib two nights in a row. Man. Can you believe that? Two nights in a row. That spinning salad. And let me tell you. Yeah, all the spinning of the salad, huh? How about the spinning of the salad? Yeah, and then the cut of the prime cut by uh, tight end Jay Blasevich from uh, Jed Blasevich from uh, Georgia, and the big defensive end from uh, Oklahoma. They were the chef. We had them all dressed up with the big uh, chef hat and everything, and they cut the first prime rib, and then they could take it to anyone they want. The first pick, so uh, the first cut. So, hey, also I wanted to tell you too. I was in the Rose Bowl. Uh, yesterday I walked around the Rose Bowl. It's absolutely beautiful and fast. The turf is unbelievable. This is uh, back from behind the scenes, I'll tell you guys, so you can hear this. The Will, who is the groundkeeper uh, for the field, is laying on his stomach on the ground with a ruler. Not a ruler, something smaller than a ruler. He is measuring the height of the grass. It's a brand-new turf. And he's figuring out how much it's going to grow between that yesterday and Monday, so he knows exactly what length to cut the grass. I mean, unbelievable, and the striping of the field. And then he said, come over here, coach. He brought me over to the 30-yard line going towards the rows on the east side of the field. They put down the the things that you paid over. He says, here, you paint this. So I got the gun. 
I held it. I, I think I tweeted that. I don't know if you saw it or not. Did you see it, Ryan? And I painted the 30-yard line on the field. That was really, really a thrill. Then I went into locker rooms and looked at the locker rooms. They're absolutely fabulous. The training rooms. The field looks fast. It's a beautiful day in Southern California. Game day, it's going to be around 70, 72. It's just a great a great feeling out here. I wish you were out here, Ryan. I wish I was, too. I want to check it out. Um, oh, well, yeah, I'm here, though. I'm here. I'm watching high school guys. So there's a difference. Well, we're glad you're there because you're telling us what's really going on was the future is with recruits. Remember that. The future of USC football is how you recruit yeah. and then how you coach them. All right. Well, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. We appreciate uh, the time, and uh, thanks so much. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to try to get Dan Weber on this week. Uh, we're still got a lot of questions coming in. Um, hopefully, we addressed a lot of what you had your concerns were, and we'll keep doing that throughout the week as you as the questions and stuff roll. And we've saved them all, so we'll we'll get to them all for Dan and myself and Keely and Shotgun. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.